Good morning and welcome to worship at Church of the Palms Presbyterian Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Phil Bliss. We're delighted to have you join us for worship today. We're going to hear a lot of music today. The prelude will be played by the Sounds of Glory Orchestra that is directed by Dr. Linda Vasilaki. The Jubilee Handbell Choir will be playing today, playing songs of peace. Our praise and glory singers will be uh, with, uh, singing along with our creative signers who are Valerie Austin, Linda Evans, and Susie Welch. And they will play all because of God's amazing love, amazing grace. Lori ha Haas will lead our children's moment and Dr. McConnell will be preaching from uh, John chapter 18 live and in person. Thank you for joining us. May God bless you today. Wasn't that fun? That was neat. That was neat. I'm going to ring the bells. Okay, take your time. Don't run. Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Darlene Yost, and I serve as deacon in our congregation. We begin our service with the opening prayer, printed on the cover of our bulletin. Now, let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Speak to us, eternal God, through your representatives you anoint to proclaim your word. Grant that all authority will speak truthfully, rule justly, and serve selfishly. Find your dwelling place today, not just in this sanctuary, but in our hearts and lives, and not just today, but every day. Clothe your priest with faithfulness and all your faithful people with garments of joy. May we know your grace and peace as we honor your majesty, bowing in awe before the one who was and is and is to come. Amen. Now, as our service continues, with reverence, let us prepare our hearts and minds as we listen to the prelude. Thank you.
hearts and our ears have been feasting on music and God's praise. And now let us hear the second half of Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in, who is the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Let us worship God. Please be The very same Lord of hosts, the King of glory, is also the God that listens to all our prayers and forgives our sins, knowing that let us pray our confession together. Righteous God, you have crowned Jesus as Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him and are slow to acknowledge his rule. We give allegiance to the powers of this world and fail to be governed by justice and love. In your mercy, forgive us. Raise us to acclaim him as ruler of all, that we may be loyal ambassadors, obeying the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, God loves us at all times and forgives us at all times. Believe the good news of the gospel. affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we greet one another in Christ's name.
Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right. It is good to be here. We are grateful that you are with us this morning at Church of the Palms as we come together on this Sunday after Thanksgiving, which is Christ the King Sunday this year. And we invite you to uh, make yourself feel welcome, and we hope that you will feel welcome through our presence as well. We invite you after our worship service to join us for a little time underneath the tree and to learn more about our life here at Church of the Palms. We also encourage you to fill out the friendship pads that, that, uh, through those that we might know your name and that we might also be able to extend the greetings of faith to you. We have a few announcements we want to call your attention to. Uh, we are uh, looking forward to another great shape class this coming Saturday. This is an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about yourself and especially what what uh, gifts you have, what passions you have, and what particular callings you might have to be in ministry. It's a great opportunity for you to do that. And we have a great class scheduled for Saturday morning, so take note of that announcement. Today we receive our offering for the, for the food pantry. You heard last week of all the many ways by which we are reaching out to those who are in need through our food pantry, and we certainly need your support of that. And there are envelopes available in your pew if you would like to contribute to uh, that ongoing effort. And if you have brought your offering, you may put that in the plate as it goes by during our regular offering this morning. Also, we are still in the midst of our stewardship season. You'll see on the graph in the back of your bulletin, uh, toward the back of your bulletin, that we're making progress, slow but steady progress. But uh, if you have not yet had the chance to participate in our efforts to, uh, to make commitments for 2013 financially, we encourage you to do so. And by uh, filling out a pledge card, which is available for you in the back of the sanctuary, you can send that to the church office and we would want to make sure that your commitment is counted. This coming Saturday, we will host uh, the Handel's Messiah here in our sanctuary, both for a dress rehearsal and for uh, a performance later that afternoon. There's information about that in your bulletin, but what a wonderful way to begin the Advent season uh, by coming and joining with us on Saturday afternoon for Handel's Messiah. And then lastly, uh, we have still some openings for our Salvation Army bell ringing mission. We are, we'll be over, or we're already starting over at Publix over on Beneva and Bee Ridge. If you would like to uh, uh, help us out with that, we still have a couple of slots available, also some single slots where they might want some support from somebody to ring along with them. So please uh, come and be a part of that experience as we seek to reach out to our, our community. I'd like now to invite uh, Dana Backus to come forward. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? All right. I am so wired for sound this morning.
Why don't you hold that for me? Got you, Rich, right? <clears throat> Good? Right? Can you hear me? All right. I bet you didn't expect that kind of entertainment for the morning, did you? Sorry about that, Dana. Okay. It is a very great day for us because we get the chance to participate in something we don't normally get to do, which is a reaffirmation of baptism. Uh, in the Presbyterian tradition, uh, most of us were baptized infants, and uh, because we believe that grace is sufficient for us, we don't need to be rebaptized within our tradition. But we do have an opportunity for people to reaffirm their baptism, especially as they anticipate uh, making a, a new a new journey in their life, or perhaps where they have gotten to a point in their discipleship where they have wanted to make a public statement of a new step in their, in their uh, journey with Jesus. Dana Backage, who was baptized here many, many years ago, I won't say how many, was uh, a child, has been a child of our church for years and years and years, and she has participated in so much a part of our ministry, and especially now she is one of our youth advisors and works with our our youth in our ministry. And uh, Dana is prepared to make a new uh, chapter, in our, for, head toward a new chapter in her life as she moves to uh, New York City soon and uh, starts in a new uh, mission field, as it were. And uh, Dana and I began to talk about that, and she really uh, is excited not only about that new chapter, but maybe even more so about her faith and about how uh, she wants to make this a time, not just of a, a geographical move, but also a spiritual move as she reaffirms her baptism, reclaims the grace that Jesus Christ has always extended to her, and uh, takes that grace with her as she moves into a new chapter of her life. So in the Presbyterian tradition, we do have a liturgy for reaffirmation of baptismal vows. And uh, so we're grateful that we can have you before us, along with many of our youth will be here to participate in this, youth advisors, parents, elders, who have been a very important part of Dana's life. So to that end, let us consider the word of God. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The call of Christ is to willing, dedicated discipleship, our discipleship is a manifestation of the new life into which we enter through baptism. It is possible because in Jesus Christ we have been set free from the bondage of sin and death. Discipleship is both a gift and a commitment, an offering and a responsibility. It is marked by change, growth, and deepened commitment. It has lived out a renewing sense of God's calling to us out of God's claim upon us made in our baptism. On this occasion, we celebrate with Dana and join with her in her renewing of her baptism. Dana, will you please respond to these questions of renunciation and profession? Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? And will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord? And do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? You have publicly professed your faith. Will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. If so, please say, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. Amen. 
We'd now like to invite uh, people that have been in Dana's life, youth, as well as uh, elders and parents to come forward. Dana, if you would just stand here for a moment. Dana, in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I anoint you with this oil, trusting a God's grace for you as you begin your new chapter of life. Amen. If you would now kneel. We can all lay our hands on shoulders and let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. We thank you that you called us to be your children from the moment of our life's beginning. We thank you that you called us to be your children in and through the call of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you called us to be disciples in the name of Christ. We thank you that you called us to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for Dana and we thank you for her commitment to you throughout her life through her baptism, through her confirmation, through her ministry with us, through her leadership for our youth. We praise you that she is now at this point of wanting to reaffirm her baptism, reclaiming your covenant promises for her as she begins a new chapter in her life in the weeks to come. We pray your blessing upon her. We ask, Lord, that she will never forget that you walk alongside of her step by step, that your journey with her is forever. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will gather around her brothers and sisters in Christ in her new home, that she may know that she is not only with you, but she is with the body of Christ. Bless her, use her gifts, remind her of the love of home, the love of these people who lay hands upon her now, the love of this congregation, and bless her as she seeks to be light in the world that is darkened. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You may stand. Welcome. Children to come now forward for the children's moment. Yay. Yay. Okay. And if you would put your canned food in the basket right behind you there, please. As adults, we were invited to bring down our checkbooks. But as kids, we wanted to bring canned food because sometimes the shelves are bare at all faiths and we still need the food. So that was part of how they can give. So if you can make a little pathway so the kids can get back up there to put their canned food in. Hey, Franklin, how are you? Hi, AJ. Go right back there and stick it in the basket if you can get up there. Thank you for bringing all that. Excellent. Keep going. That is an awesome thing. Thank you so much. So we are finishing up our series on cooperation. And we're going to learn that with God, when we work together, we can change people's lives. And our lesson comes from Luke 5, and it's all about Jesus. So is that Old Testament or New Testament? Old. 
New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke 5. And the story goes, you got to think of the first thing, the busiest place that you have ever been. Did any of you guys go Black Friday shopping with your parents? I got some, anyone out here go Black Friday shopping? No, I did not. So, there were wall-to-wall people. Okay, have you been to Disney World? Well, Universal probably counts because I know the lines are pretty long there. If you go to Disney World, Universal, on a holiday, wall-to-wall people. Can you have a seat right there, buddy? Can you make a side for him so he can... Oh, excellent job. So, this is what was going on. Jesus had been teaching and healing, and walls and walls of people filled the house where he was so much that they were spilled out like you guys would be the outside. You couldn't even get in to where Jesus was. Second thing. There's one guy that really needed to be healed, and he was paralyzed. Do you know what it means to be paralyzed? What does it mean? So, some part of his body stayed like that. Some part of his body, right, stayed like that, wasn't working. So this guy couldn't walk. Well, what do we have for paralyzed people today to help them out so they can be independent? Yeah. Wheelchairs. We have wheelchairs. We have, like, those guide dogs that help. I even read that there's, like, this computer that your brain could hook up to the computer, and just thinking a thought, it could move a robotic arm or it could power your chair. Well, you know what the paralyzed people had in Jesus' day? A mat. Maybe not a yoga mat, but they did have a mat. This guy would have to sit on his mat and rely on his friends and family to help him. Now, I want you to think of four of your closest friends. They could be in Sunday school. They could be in, on your soccer team, in your neighborhood, in your class. You got those in your head, those four friends? Four of these friends came to this guy on the mat and said, hey, we're going to take you to Jesus so he can heal you. And you know what he's thinking? Woohoo! So they grab him, they take him all the way to the house, and guess what? They can't get in because there's so many people. Before you tell me what they do, i got to tell you that they did cooperate, that they worked together, because you know our key memory verse this, this month Two people, do you know what it is, Matthew? What's the, what's the key? Oh, wait, 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 wait. The key memory verse was that two people are better than one because they can always help each other out. And then tell me, what did they do? They went, onto the, they went onto the roof and, like, cut out a part of the roof and went down. Excellent. They got him on top of the roof somehow. Matthew cut a hole, lowered him down, and you know what Jesus did? He said, because of your friend's faith, you are forgiven. And then Jesus healed him, and Jesus said, Buddy, roll up your mat and go home. Now, we might not know a paralyzed person, but you know what? Anytime we work with our friends to share God's love, we have an opportunity to change a life, and that's just what God wants us to do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for healing us. Oh, we just pray that you help us be the kind of friend who always looks for creative new ways to show your love. Amen.
Let's join our hearts together as we pray as a congregation. Lord Almighty, in these moments, we pray that you'll lift us up into your presence and let us feel you near as we assemble for worship. May we be ready to receive what you have to give us this day. We pray you'll renew our hearts with your grace and drive out any fear that would make us shrink from what you wish us to do. Fill us with such confidence in your abiding presence that we will live boldly and serve you freely. We thank you this day for prayers that have been answered and for the gift of long life with whom you've blessed so many people in our congregation. We thank you for those who extended themselves this past week <clears throat> to help others with food and clothing and the hand of friendship. And we ask for your protection for all those who are still away and traveling as they return home this weekend. We pray that you'll hear us for those who need healing of body and of spirit. We pray for peace and strength for all who are in need and struggle with various aspects of their life. We pray this week especially for our national and international leaders who are current circumstances have created very difficult decisions for them to make. They need your wisdom and your direction and your spirit's power in their deliberations. We pray that you'll help them and all of us to think clearly in the midst of contradictory voices. We do continue to pray for the safety and success of those who are away from us, our missionaries, our service people, their families. Father, we especially think today of those within our city, our county, and our neighborhoods who do not know you as you would want to be known. They will hear this coming month's stories of Jesus, and they'll watch television specials about your son's birth. They will listen to music that describes the gospel story, and yet so many have not embraced or comprehended its true message. Perhaps they are not hearing through us. They're not hearing what would make a difference in them. So help us in light of this not to forget to transfer our beliefs into real life. Remind us constantly that we were meant to live out our faith in the trenches and routines of life, to hear the word and then do it. Whatever else we are, Lord, May each one of us here always be one person and not two, depending on our circumstances. We pray you'll help each and every one of us as we take the message of Jesus into the marketplace and the workplaces this coming soon to arrive Advent season, that those who do not know you as you want them to will be able to see and hear and touch the word of life that is in us through our lives lived and the words that we speak opened their eyes as you did those of Simeon and Anna and allow them to see the true gift of this season, the savior of our souls and the light of the world who has come to live with us in on us. We reaffirm, uh, reaffirm Jesus, you as Lord of our lives and together with all the saints, we pray the prayer you taught us long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we come together in joy to bring our tithes and offerings before the Lord. Thank you. 
Almighty God, you are the king of the universe, and your son Jesus Christ is king of our lives, as he has come in grace to bring salvation. And we thank you that the psalmist said, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Bless, we pray, these gifts. Use them for your work and ministry in this world. For Christ's sake, amen. seated. In a cruel twist of irony and fate, the hymn that we just sang, Come Christians Join to Sing, the tune of that hymn is also the tune of the Ohio State alma mater. So allow me to take that occasion to congratulate my, my Ohio State friends for their well-fought victory yesterday, and allow me to wish them all the best in their upcoming bowl game. <laughs> Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of John, the 18th chapter beginning at the 33rd verse. Hear the word of God. 
Then Pilate entered the headquarters again and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew. Am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We are thankful, O oh Lord, that we can come to this place of worship and know that there is only one King. There is only one truth. So we ask that by your grace you would open our hearts and minds and ears to these words to come, that they may only point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, Jesus of Nazareth. We pray this in his name. Amen. This sermon is for all those people who think they're right. This sermon is for all those people who are hard to convince otherwise. Have you heard the story of Ignaz Semmelweis? I had never heard of the story of Ignaz Semmelweis until I read about it recently. Ignaz Semmelweis was the Hungarian obstetrician who during his work in a Viennese hospital in the mid-19th century discovered that pregnant women who were being delivered and tended to by midwives were far less likely to incur any type of infection than the women who were being treated by medical doctors. This seemed rather strange to Dr. Semmelweis, how is it that women who were being treated by doctors in birth were more likely to get sick than women who were being treated by midwives? Dr. Semmelweis began to study the phenomenon and after months of observation began to realize that the doctors, when moving from one case to another in the hospital, were not washing their hands. The midwives were, the doctors weren't. Now this was before the discovery of the harmful effects of the spread of bacteria. So Dr. Semmelweis ordered all the attendants in obstetrical cases to thoroughly wash their hands when going from one case to another, and when they did, the rate of infection plummeted from 18% to 1.5%. Dr. Semmelweis' findings was one of the great discoveries in the history of modern medicine. So why do most of us not know his name? When he published his findings, they all thought he was crazy. The attendants resented the fact that they had to wash their hands before treating the mothers. A case was brought against him. 
He was dismissed from the medical staff, forced to leave Vienna, and his rejection led him to a mental breakdown and eventual insanity. And for 20 more years, hundreds, maybe thousands of women died and suffered needlessly because no one was prepared to listen to the truth. To the truth born by Dr. Ignaz Semmelweis. That is how it goes often with truth bearers. They are very hard to listen to. They tend to be liberating. They tend to set us free. They tend to change the way we live our lives, but they are very hard to listen to, especially when you think you're right. Copernicus, the great astronomer of the 15th and 16th centuries, suggested to the world that the world was not at the center of the solar system. He was ridiculed, banned from the church, and left to disgrace. Truth is very hard to listen to. Abraham Lincoln believed that the institution of slavery should not spread through the land held to this truth. In his fierce debates with the Senator Stephen Douglas of Illinois, he lost that Senate election. The truth is hard to listen to. Susan B. Anthony approached the Men's Christian Temperance Union and asked to be a member and was denied. She started then the Women's Temperance Union, which still flourishes today. She led the movement for women's suffrage, often booed off the stage, and yet her image ended up on one of our nation's coins. The truth is hard to listen to. Martin Luther King Jr. was beaten and thrown into prison for advocating something that Abraham Lincoln had died for 100 years earlier. He too was assassinated because the truth is hard to listen to. And so it goes even through the stories of Scripture. Can you hear Moses telling Pharaoh, you know, my God is bigger than you. Let my people go and getting laughed out of Pharaoh's court. Can you hear the prophet Isaiah warning the people of Israel that they're heading down the path of destruction and the people of Israel saying, silly old man. Can you hear John the Baptist on the steps of Herod's palace condemning the ruler for taking the wife of his brother and then losing his head for it? Truth is hard to listen to. So Bill sits down with Larry and tells Larry that he thinks Larry has a drinking problem and he needs help. And the conversation comes to a screeching halt and phone calls are not returned. Truth is hard to listen to. A woman tells her husband that she's not the same woman that he married years ago and that their relationship needs to change in order for it to continue to prosper and grow. To which he replies, what's the problem? Was there not the like? What's wrong with the old marriage? Things need to change, she says, and he storms out of the house. The truth is hard to listen to. This morning, 
we had the chance to listen in on a conversation between two people, maybe perhaps one of the most important conversations in the history of humankind. It's the conversation between Jesus and Pilate. Picture the scene. Pilate, the procurator of Palestine, a Roman governor, the Roman eagle hanging in his governing quarters. He has behind him and to his security and for his security the greatest empire in the history of the world. Everything around him tells him he is on the right side. And before him stands a man who has been arrested by his own people, roughed up during the interrogation, suffering from a lack of sleep, dirty, tired, abandoned by the people he thought were his friends. And in Pilate's eyes, there was nothing about that man that was right. So Jesus, the roughed up criminal, maybe with a welt on the side of his head, dirty and tired, says to the Roman governor with this Roman eagle standing right behind, hanging right behind him on the wall, he says this, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And to Jesus' assertion, Pilate asks his rhetorical question, what is truth? But doesn't stay around long enough to hear the answer. Instead, he turns back to the crowd and tries to see what the crowd wants. For Pilate, in the end, the truth was in the crowd. It's always easier to listen to the crowd. Seldom is it easy to listen to the truth, especially, especially when you think you're right. And Pilate had very little reason to believe that he wasn't right. Has that ever been the case for you? Has it ever been the case that you've been hard to convince that you're not right? I wonder if that explains that one of the most common exhortations that Jesus used in his ministry was this word, the word, listen. Listen. He's saying it all the time. Listen. To those who have ears, Listen, everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts upon them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Pay attention, he says, to what you listen to. To the Pharisees who are complaining about the Palm Sunday crowd, Jesus says, are you listening to what they are saying? And when Jesus is transfigured before the disciples, a voice from heaven comes down and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen Listen, listen. Jesus says to Pilate, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to me. Maybe there is no more necessary word for our time than the word listen. In this time of talk radio and talk shows and talk this and talk that and post-election jabber and analysis and commentary. Isn't it interesting that the man who stands before Pilate says, listen. Listen, those who are of the truth, listen. In this time of cell phones and texts and Twitters and emails and 900-inch plasma flat-screen television sets and home entertainment centers, talk and noise, and noise, and talk. And Jesus says, shh, 
Listen. Do you think there's any coincidence or irony to the fact that if you rearrange the letters of the word listen, you get the word silent? Soren Kierkegaard, the great 16th century Danish philosopher and theologian, 16th century, mind you, said, the present state of the world and the whole of life is diseased. If I were a doctor and could give one prescription, it would be create silence. Our last hymn today, typically an Advent hymn, but we will sing it a week early and maybe even another time in Advent, begins by saying, let all mortal flesh keep silence. So can you resonate with the struggle and temptation of Pilate that it's just so much easier to be absorbed by the noise of the crowd, that it's so much more difficult to stand still, to sit still before the one named Naz Jesus of Nazareth and let him speak the truth to you, the whole truth to you, not just the truth you want to hear, not just the truth that's going to solidify your opinion, not just the truth that you think everybody else, everybody else needs to hear, but the truth he needs to speak to you. It's so hard. I mean, let's just admit that. It is so hard to listen. It's so hard to sit still and listen. It's so hard to open yourself up to a brand new teaching. Let's say you go out to dinner with a friend tonight, and your friend says to you over dinner, you know, <clears throat> I just <clears throat> clears his throat, and he says, <clears throat> you, know, I, I, you know, you know I love you. And you know, and if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you what I'm going to tell you. Can you feel the defensiveness start to rise? And then he goes on to say, you know, there are some areas in your life where I think you're just, you're missing the point. And, and I want to make a couple of suggestions on how you could change your life so that you might live in a better way. Now, be honest, do you, do you feel the defense, defensiveness rise? Do you, do you feel the resistance building? Do you feel your blood pressure rising? Do you feel the indignation growing? Do you hear yourself saying, who are you to tell me what to do? <laughs> Join the human race. You see, that's the crazy thing about this invitation that we are given to have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, listen, and we say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, Jesus says, listen, and we say, yeah, yeah, but I've got things to do. I've got a presentation to make tomorrow. Jesus says, listen, yeah, yeah, but don't you see, I'm already a student of the Bible. I kind of get it. Jesus says, listen. But don't you see, I've got it figured out. I've got to plan it for my life. I already know what works for me and what doesn't work for me. Jesus says, will you please listen? I'm already a Republican, I'm already a Democrat, I'm already a conservative, I'm already a liberal, I'm already retired, I'm already in line for a promotion, I've already planned out my week. And Jesus says, will you listen? Will you just listen? Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And the crazy thing about Jesus is this, is that he comes to us in the same way he came to Pilate. He comes to us in a way where we can always turn him down. We don't, we don't get Jesus forced on us. 
He doesn't show up and he doesn't demand an audience. He doesn't, he doesn't just, you know, cram his, his ideas down our throats. No, he comes to us in the same way as he came to Pilate. He comes to us in a way we can dismiss him. He just appears to us maybe a little roughed up from the world and he says, will you listen? So let's try something between now and Christmas. There are 30 days between now and Christmas, November 25 to December 25, 30 days. There are in the Gospel of Matthew 28 chapters, 28. So I'm wondering, what if we made it our Advent devotional practice to read the 28 chapters of Matthew, first Gospel in the New Testament? You get two days off for bad behavior. 28 days of listening to Jesus. Listening. Can you do that? If you don't have a Bible, steal one from the pews. <laughs> or better yet, just go online. Be cheaper for me. But anyway. <laughs> and with each chapter you open to read, one chapter a day, don't do 28 chapters tomorrow. That's not going to help. One chapter a day, before you read each chapter, each day, you began with a little prayer that went something like this, Lord, I know you want to talk to me. I know that. I know you have something to say to me. I know there is likely a truth in here I don't want to hear. Speak to me. Then read the chapter. Maybe read it a couple times and be still and wonder, what truth in here does God want me to hear that I don't want to hear? And then allow that to be your wondering for the rest of the day. For the rest of the day. Should take about 10, 15, 20 minutes. But is there maybe, could there not be a better way to prepare for Christmas? Now, if in that invitation you feel within yourself some resistance, if you feel within yourself some excuses rising up out of your heart for why you cannot do this, if you feel like what I have just invited you to is asking a little bit too much, if you feel this incredible pressure mounting within you because you know it's Christmas time and you have so much to do and you don't have enough time to do it, and how could you at Christmas time ask me to spend time listening to Jesus? then you might also able, be able to understand the same struggle that a Roman governor had a long time ago when Jesus said to him, will you listen? Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Let all mortal flesh Keep silence.
love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. This worship service is coming to you from the Sanctuary of Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Our live telecast comes to you each Sunday at 9 through Comcast Cable Channel 189 locally and is also presented live via streaming on the internet around the world. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian Church, USA. Did you know that the Salvation Army, an international movement, is an evangelical part of the Universal Christian Church? Its message is based on the Bible. Its ministry is motivated by the love of God. Its mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in His name without discrimination. Did you know that the Salvation Army invited 25 area churches to ring the kettlebells this Christmas season? Church of the Palms says yes. Yes, we want to help spread Christmas joy to everyone who enters Publix at Beneva and Bee Ridge and Macy's at Southgate Mall. Yes, we want to help raise money to support rehabilitation programs, food and shelter to those who need some extra help you can sign up for a two-hour shift. In early 2013, we'll travel back to a small village in Honduras to assist in building shelving in their school classrooms. Our goal is to outfit the school-aged children with a pair of black shoes for school and tennis shoes or sandals for play. Lack of shoes is a pressing need for this village. Contributions for the Honduras Shoe Drive are welcome at this time. You can make checks payable to Church of the Palms with Honduras Shoe Drive on the memo line. If you have any questions, you can contact Brad Wilson at 312-4193 or stop at the table under the fellowship tree. A reminder that the C.S. Lewis Reading Group has resumed. The meetings are at 6 p.m. in the chapel reception room for this reading group led by Dr. Stephen McConnell. 
The next discussion will be about the Latin letters by C.S. Lewis. Jean-Viet Beauchamp, Artistic Director, Tammy Tabersi, Soprano, Rachel Assi, Alto and Jason Collins, Tenor, and Dr. Jonathan Spivey on the organ. They usher in the Christmas holidays with an unforgettable afternoon of musical delight, featuring the Christmas portion of Handel's Messiah, including a live orchestra and a special appearance by Sarasota Young Voices who make their home here at Church of the Palms. For tickets and more information, you can contact John Ferreira at 924-1323. If you know of anyone in the church who is sick, injured, going through major life changes, has been admitted to the hospital of the weekend, has a surgery planned, or anyone who is now homebound and unable to make it to church, please call Michelle Rodriguez at the church office at 924-1323. You'll be asked to provide the person's name, situation, and the dates of any planned surgeries. In this way, we're hoping to care for all who need and wish to receive care from Church of the Palms. Again, we express our thanks to you for being a part of our worship together in the sanctuary of Church of the Palms during the coming week and in the near future. Our studies, activities, events, and fellowship that we invite you to participate in as a welcome member or guest. Until next Sunday at 9, this is Jimmy Lance. May the coming week bring you much joy. May the peace of Christ sustain you through disappointment. May you enjoy this day, this gift, God's good morning.